Everybody, we are back with the Legends of Grayskull. We got a special treat for you today. This is a very special episode. We will be taking a look at Masters of the Universe Revolution, Episode 1, Even for Kings. But before we get into that, I want to introduce my wonderful co-host, Mr. Sean Scavarna, is back again. How are we doing today, Sean? I am here. I have been revolted, but I'm still standing. Revoluted? I've been revoluted. And I think diluted. revolting is different. I am revolting, though. I okay. am. You are, mul- you are molting. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm multi-purposed. <laughs> Not only do we have Sean Skavarna here with us today, but we also have our wonderful off-world shooting the shelf buddies. Uh, we got Curtis Ackerman and Jesse Arnold. Curtis, Jesse, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Anytime, I, I, I would say, yes, being have here some. Is yeah. revelation. <laughs> yes, have some. <laughs> Do I want some coffee? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. <laughs> yeah, the, the podcast is over. Matt shut this down now. He's just like, you guys can't even take this seriously. <laughs> hey, it doesn't always have to be serious, sometimes it can it just doesn't. be fun. So seriously fun. We we are here. We have all watched Masters of the Universe Revolution streaming right now on Netflix. If you haven't watched it yourself yet, what the heck are you doing here? Pause us. Mm. Go watch Revolution, at least the first episode, then come back. Go on. We'll wait. We're not really going to wait, right? No, no. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for coming back to us after watching Revolution. I don't know why you were here before, but thanks for being here now. Uh, so, guys, leading up here, I know me and Sean, we've had our episodes. We've had everything leading up. Everyone knows where we stand. We broke down all of Revelation. Um, so I don't think they really want to hear from us. But let's hear from you, Jesse and Curtis. Uh, just a brief how did you feel about Revelation and how you felt going into Revolution before you watched it for the first time? You want to go first, Jess, or you want me to? Uh, sure, I'll go first. Um, I was excited. I enjoyed uh, Revelation. I mean, there were some some minor things, you know, some things I would have liked to have seen, just like maybe some of the pacing differently. Uh, overall, I liked the story and enjoyed the animation a lot. Um, I was really looking forward to this new one. 
Uh, I know there are some some voice voice cast got uh, redone or whatever, um, but it didn't uh, uh, it didn't seem to affect my enjoyment of of this new new season. So um, I, I I was excited going into it. Very nice, Curtis. Um, I I enjoyed Revelation. Um, I think I had um, probably more things that uh, that I thought could have been better than Jesse. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, I thought the animation was great. I thought the overall story was good. Um, there was, it was just nice to see masters again. Um, but there was definitely some things that I thought they could have done better. Um, and I really felt going into this, um, I was optimistic that, that they would, you know, kind of make some, some alterations, some changes, some, some adjustments as it were, um, and overall, I think they did. Um, and I, it, I, yeah, I was pretty happy with it. So, all right. And as, as most people know, I, I was generally positive going into this. My big fear was that, you know, especially after seeing that first trailer was that there was going to be too much to handle in five episodes. Um, and that was my biggest fear going into these new episodes as I just thought they were biting off more and they could chew. And that just from what was in the trailer, let alone mm. what we're going to find out was actually dropped in that first episode. Uh, Sean, anything you want to say before we kick off the review? Um, I would say I was more than cautiously optimistic going into revolution. And um, let's just say I was pleasantly su surprised after the five episodes all right all right let's get into it then we've got episode one of revolution even for kings we're gonna go through this scene by scene uh i'll read off what happened we'll talk about it a bit and at the end we will give our rating of the episode so scene one, Adam and Orko in an odd Saiyan fusion disguise travel to Subternia uh, to barter for the souls of Fisto and Clampchamp. When diplomacy fails, it's time for He-Man. Adam transforms and takes on uh, a very Stephen King's It-style Scareglow, transforming, <laughs> taking on the powers of Fisto and Clampchamp. Mm -hmm. uh, he gets help from Buzzoff, Snout Spout, Rio Blast, and Andra as they fight off the hordes of Shadow Beasts. Uh, with some help from his father in a mech suit, He-Man defeats Scareglow and recovers the lost souls. Uh, Tila shows up and is able to help them escape using a light spell to dispel the Shadow Beasts. Scareglow pursues them out of Subternia but is trapped by a giant H symbol plugging the entrance and topped off with a magical spell from Tila to seal off Subternia seemingly forever, but no seals forever in Masters. Uh, back on the Andra's new creation, the Cloud Crusher, available now in a toy store near you. Uh, the heroes celebrate as Randor gets out of his mech suit. He stumbles and loses consciousness. So as most of you know, this is the most of the fight scene that we saw at uh, San Diego Comic-Con and leaked online before it came out. Um, what'd you guys think of this opening? Who's going what? 
Everyone uh, just starts talking as they uh, please. So, so I'll, I'll throw in. I, I made uh, notes as I watched it the first time around, and the one thing that uh, I couldn't help but notice is Kevin Smith loves starting series for Masters out where there's a character in disguise that you darn well know the, who the character is walking into something. And I, I, I was, it didn't, it, like, it actually dawned on me more the second watching than the first, because at first I just kind of let everything happen in front of me, and I wasn't trying to overly analyze. But when I watched it the second time, I'm like, he did that last time with Faker. Yeah. Go figure. So, it, it, you know, it's it's now becoming a cliche with him doing that. But at the same time, I like this sequence better than the uh, revelation sequence with the sorceress and everything. This felt the way that uh, I wanted revelation to feel. It was legitimately here is them just starting it out and having a real fun action sequence. Yeah, and I got to say, I really felt that the animation was a lot more settled in this one. Like, it, yeah. felt, it felt cleaner, it felt vibrant, it felt mm-hmm. it felt solid. And yeah, this opening battle is everything I want out of Masters. Like, it, it was action-packed, there was, you know, there was real stakes, but at the same time, you didn't have to go, like, blood and gore which I don't nope. think Masters needs to go to. No. Like, you know, you can have stakes, you can have action, but it doesn't need to be cussing and blood shooting everywhere. Nope. So I, I thought it was really well done. Uh, I did like seeing when Scareglow is talking about his trophies, and you see he's got, like, the Diamond Ray of Disappearance, yeah. and Shikoti, Shikoti's, the symbol the, from the The tomb. symbol from the door, yeah. He had the, the clock from Time Trouble, and then uh, there that cauldron was from a Filmation episode. So, yeah. Uh, it, it, nice little Easter eggs right off the bat. And Tony Todd as Scareglow. Yeah. Just absolutely. fantastic. The, the only other thing real quick that I'll... I, well, two quick things I'll, I'll say is uh, I did... I did get a chuckle when uh, Adam reveals himself there and says, I am Adam, Prince yep. of Eternia and all that, because it, it, I, I just, I got a kick out of it. And I know in the one movie script, that was how he was going to reveal himself as well. So I was like, that's a nod to that. And it's a nod to filmation, which amused me and 2000 X technically. Yep. But then um, the, the other thing though, is because of how revelation ended where the secret is out now, it really was weird to have that be the first time where it's like him and Orko are stuck in that skeleton hand. It, well, diplomacy didn't work by the power of grace. And it, it, it you know, the champion and all that stuff. And I was like, it is really interesting to see that being loud and proud out there versus it being something to have to run away from while Orko's deflecting the situation. But other than that, that, that's, that's the main things that I took away from that. Go ahead, um i i really liked it i thought um i thought it was a nice mirror to the opening of season one of yep. revelation because you know you had the bad guy going into the good guy's base yep. this time you have the good guy going into the bad guy base um and i, I just thought that was <clears throat> i thought that was a fun a fun thing and i just thought it was cool that it was actually prince adam you know coming in you know because yeah you know getting to be the the brave adventurer like going out and doing something um and 
uh, I, I liked it. Yeah, Tony Todd is great. My, I think my favorite moment in that whole opening fight sequence. And the first episode in Revelation had a pretty epic battle scene out in mm-hmm. front of Grayskull, too. So I, I thought that was a really nice uh, offset. Um, yeah. This one felt less, oh, we're just going to drop a hero in here for one second. I mean, I know the heroes in that moment weren't in. Uh, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it it was it was cool that they focused on like three or four additional characters just in that moment, and not like everybody that they missed right in the first season. But uh, I think my favorite moment was when Orko reveals himself, and Scarecrow is just like you, like right. I just <laughs> like that. You know, uh, Scarecrow is not a character I had a huge attachment to as a kid. I think I, I don't even remember him um until i started hanging out with you guys that like it just wasn't like um a character i was aware of uh as a kid but uh that's how most of us were to be quite tony tony todd's voice (laughs) and 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 just uh, the way they portrayed him in revelation and that whole little the beef with him and orco i thought was really nice to see just that little moment there so Agreed. And I like that they're, they're continuing that. And, you know, Orko, Orko is legit now. Like he's reborn. He's the white. And uh, that costume's really growing on me. The the white robes with the red cape I and everything. It. I love yeah. that. Actually. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And I agree with you, Jesse. Like seeing Prince Adam just actually being able to, like Sean said, and you said, like Prince Adam is able to just go and be him and not have to worry about hiding anymore. Uh yeah, that's just, it's awesome. It's nice to see. Now that we've done the revelation thing, it's like I'm happy to see where we go from here. Mm-hmm. So, um, for the, it's funny you say that about the Orgo thing because I was actually, while I was watching it, I was kind of going, man, I kind of wish Mondo would have done this version. <laughs> like, like, it, yeah. you know, like yeah. I actually uh, am liking it more than even the 2000 X or, or the original. So uh, yeah, I really like the Orca design right off the bat. I felt like um, they were really taking some feedback from the first series and adjusting it because you know, first off, you you have Adam go in there rather than He Man. He's not trying to intimidate him. It like he really is trying diplomacy at first. Yeah. Um. And and I feel like Adam wasn't as it, we'll we'll kind of talk about it as the the series goes on. But you know, right off the bat, he doesn't seem as small as kind of twerpy as defenseless as he did in Revelation to me. Like he he feels you know, more comfortable with himself. He feels like he's able to do some things as Adam. Um, so I thought that was a good adjustment there because, um, you know, throughout Revelation, when I would see Adam, it's like, oh gosh, you know, he's going to get his ass kicked or he's going to, you know, something, you know, he's going to have to have somebody save him and stuff. And no, he just walked in there and, you know, was very confident. And so that was cool. Um, then the fact that they were addressing the whole, you know, Clamp Champ and Fisto, you know, not really being treated so well in Revelation and you're there to, to get them out, I thought was really cool because um, it's like, okay, we understand we killed off two lovable characters very quickly and <clears throat> so now we're going to go back and, you know, have the heroes fight to try to get them back. Um, and then you start seeing the other cameos and, and like, oh, Rio Blast was awesome. It was cool to see Buzz off, but yeah, but Rio Blast was amazing. Um, 
you know, my my only part problem with this whole opening kind of sequence is like when they leave before Randor, you know, kind of collapses on the ship. Like it really feels like they're celebrating as if they had some victory, but they didn't they didn't get Fisto and Clampchamp back. Like they didn't win anything. So I don't they got, no, they got their souls back. But they didn't like they're they're not there there is no Praternia, so they're not like there and they're not alive. So but they're not being tortured by Scareglow anymore. Correct, but they're so, still like in limbo. So you didn't but, really, you know best I mean, outcome there could have yeah. been. And they did lose. I think the best outcome would be they were they came back to life. That that's what I thought they were doing. I thought they were actually gonna bring Same. them back to life. And so when you leave there and they're still not alive, and there's no Preternia, so they're not technically like in heaven. I'm like, what what the heck are you guys celebrating for? Like, what did what did you gain? Um, mm-hmm. so I that that part was a little frustrating for me. Um but overall, I thought, you know, that just, you know, they do a good job of kicking it, kicking the door open with an opening fight scene and just having mm-hmm. a lot of cool mm-hmm. action that looks badass. And, and they yep. definitely accomplished that here. So, yeah. Yeah, I got it. I think it's interesting. Like you said, I think there was a lot of, of them taking the criticisms and kind mm-hmm. of working with it. But at the same time with the opening sequence, with it just being about their souls, mm-hmm. they're also like, hey, but just so you know, we're not going to like, we're not just going to like retcon everything that happened. Like yeah. there still were consequences from Revelation. And yeah. so, you know, would I have preferred them to like pull out of there and Fisto and Clamp Champ are back with them? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That would have been awesome if, just rescuing from Subterney was like they're back, um, but I also I also got to admire them for saying no. There is going to be consequences. There, you know, there there's no easy reset. So yeah, I get that. I for me, and, and I'm not like you know, you guys know I'm more of a cosmic enforcer lover. So like I have no special attachment to clam champ or fisto but i know some people that that is like their those are their favorite characters yeah and so for me like i i kind of when when the opening sequence started and they say why they're there and subternia i'm like oh great like these people that are fans of these characters are going to get them back like i i was like you know they only got a, a couple minutes of them in revelation and they were killed off and and they weren't real happy about it i'm happy for those people that they're going to get to see these guys again and it, it, like, even if, even if he weren't going to bring them back to life, it would have been cool yeah. if somehow they were able to join the fight in a spectral form or something, you know, I don't know. I just thought it would have been, that would, that would be cool, cool to do something a little extra for the fans of those characters. But, um, you know, minor gripe, uh, overall, mm-hmm. I thought it was really good. And I, I yeah. did feel like they, this was the beginning of them making adjustments from feedback that they got. So. Well, and and also we uh, forgot to mention here, Scareglow does talk about, he, he brings that up, like with Preternia gone, there's no place for the souls to go. And I thought that was interesting because we had all speculated at the end of Revelation because it was kind of ambiguous at the end there. You know, Evil Lynn destroyed Preternia, but then there's that end sequence with Adam and Tila once Tila becomes a sorceress where they're like, let's set things right. And so there had been speculation about like what exactly did they do there um and so that was also kind of clarifying that and you know showing that 
yeah, Paternia is not back, but maybe it's going to be, you know, that that's the, that's the storyline there, the Paternia storyline that we're going to get into in a minute here that I didn't see coming. Um, because it, it was ve- left very ambiguous at the end of Revelation what exactly happened there. So, um, well, one last thing I want to bring up here, uh, you know, Jesse alluded to it before, but the voice changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the big ones that we've hit so far is Sarah Michelle Geller is out as Tila and Melissa Benoit, uh, TV Supergirl is in. I love this change. I uh, way way I, better. I went on record at the end of Revelation that nothing against Sarah Michelle Geller, but she was phoning in it as Tila. It just sounded like Sarah Michelle Geller, the person reading lines. And uh, yeah, even off this first scene, it's like yes, I was hoping it, it would be an upgrade, and it absolutely was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Michelle Sarah Michelle Geller has like this just. I don't know, kind of tone about her voice. And I don't know how to say it with like, just kind of like a jerky ish tone. Like she just, she just yeah. comes across very like, um, like talking down to folks. Yeah. yeah. Like and, I, and I think that led to a lot of the <clears throat> negative feelings towards Teal in the first series. Um, you know, because it, it just, yeah, it, I don't know. It just wasn't great. This, this voice was much better. Um, I felt like, uh, you could connect more with this character throughout this series. So, and the the flirting between He Man and Tila is like mm-hmm. you know my sorceress, my champion. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't know how well you guys know the personal lives, but Chris Wood and Melissa Benoit are actually married in real life. Oh, okay. Like, so, so okay. they've got that that you know so, easy to draw in there. Um, so this is basically foreplay, and then when they were done recording, they went and played champion and sorcerer. I, Ayo. Hey, if you've got a champion, power sword, right? <laughs> <laughs> Remember, this is Legends of Grace, called not off world. <laughs> well, that's why I used power okay. sword. <laughs> sure. And uh, with the voice acting. Um, I'm curious, and I haven't found an answer yet. I'm curious how they did this season because there are definitely points in Revelation where, you know, and obviously that recording was all done during, like, the height of COVID and everything, Mm -hmm. where you can tell, like, okay, everybody is just recording their lines independent of each other, and Mm -hmm. it's getting mixed together. And so right off the bat here, I'm like, this feels like they were in the same room, if not mm. at least like on, you know, a Zoom call or whatever together. Like mm. it felt like people were playing off each other this time. Mm-hmm. Definitely part- scenes in Revelation where I'm like, you guys have never actually said these lines to each other. You know, yeah, and I that, see that. It did. It did feel more cohesive. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a huge thing. That's part of what makes Filmation and MYP great is like they're literally standing in a room together just, you know, doing a radio play to them. Like, mm-hmm. so uh, I think that definitely helped here. All right. Scene two. All right. We arrive at Snake Mountain. It is now fully technoed out. Blue smoke everywhere shiny metal exterior 
uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we we go inside and we witness the brand new Skeletech available now at a toy store near you in the Masterverse toy line from Mattel. Uh, and he is inducting too bad into the cult. He is injected with nanobots and as Skeletor monologues about the error of his magical past and how he has fully embraced technology thanks to Motherboard. Motherboard reports to Hordak, who is pleased with the state of the Eternian Conquest. He praises Motherboard as she has succeeded where others have failed, uh, as she has brought Skeletor fully under Horde control. Hordak feels they will soon take over Eternia, and he dreams about his horde ships covering the sky over Grayskull. <sighs> okay, I'll jump in. Um, I thought I thought it was really cool um, to see two badge. First of all, like yes. um, that was that was pretty neat. Um, I was interested to see where they were going to go with the you know what happened with Skeletor at the end of Revelation. Um, so it was it was interesting interesting to see not only has he changed but he's really kind of um taken to this like he's 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 with them like it's not like this is being done to him like he's fully on board with the whole motherboard thing and the technology and um you know then you know there's that scene as as he's walking out where you know motherboard says that he's he's done his mother proud and his father and he kind of looks back and then it you know, yeah. raids out and then you, you get introduced to Hordak and you have that scene. And um, yeah, so that, that whole scene was really cool. Um, I wasn't really sure where they were going to go with the whole tech thing from, you know, finishing out last ser series and going into this one. I was like, I don't know kind of where this is going or how they're doing it, but rolling it into all as being part of a Horde plan um, was a really nice touch. I, I thought it really brought it together well. I agree. The the techno cult, like, I didn't hate it. I know a lot of people hated it in Revelation, mm -hmm. uh, but it definitely felt like the sore thumb where there was never any real resolution. Um, but yeah, definitely here with it being the Horde plan and the techno virus, and it's like, okay, now, now we're back. Now it feels like it's rooted in Masters. Mm -hmm. Um Unfortunately, that does mean Triclops really took a back seat here, uh, yeah. which was unfortunate to me because he is one of my favorite characters. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I, I get, again, five episodes, so we've got to get into this. And with Skeletor now, see, I didn't, and I took it differently, Curse. I didn't feel like he was necessarily on board. I felt that Motherboard made him on board. Like, especially yeah, I, with the look back when she mentions Hordak mm. I as him like I want to say how much of an right I think Hordak is but I literally can't because of this virus like so just the speech that he was giving to too bad makes yeah. it feel like he is fully embracing this but you're right there is even even then there's this like feeling that maybe he's saying what he thinks they want to hear yeah but you know he has uh, you know skeletor always has his own agenda so so yep. yeah there's definitely some of that in there but he's saying the right things like in that moment yep he's Absolutely. saying what they need him to say so mm -hmm. 
I agree. And I know, I know you guys haven't watched it, but I, I felt that this Skeletech uh, was very much in the vein of the New Adventures cartoon, that Skeletor's personality, mm-hmm. um, where he's, he is a lot more, you know, basically that whole cartoon series is Flog is in control of the mutants and he's got to kind of like manipulate Flog and everything. So... Uh, it's, it's, it was really well done. Um, and, and it still feels like Skeletor. And I really felt like Mark Hamill, like took it up this season. Like he's really embraced that there's definitely still traces of Joker. It's in the same family, but I mm-hmm. felt it was a bit more its own thing. See, or I'm just I, getting, I totally or I'm just getting used to, to, yeah. to hearing it. I, I totally know. disagree. I mean, we were talking about the voice acting change of Tila um, and and I felt like throughout this, he started falling more and more into the Joker as as it went on. Like it it just it, it's it's now for me it's indistinct or it's it's like you can't tell the difference between the Joker and the Skeletor at this point. Like it's so he's so Jokerized this character that you you know you were talking about uh, Sarah Michelle Geller kind of being lazy with it. That's what I got from this. Like it, it felt like he's just totally giving in and saying, I'm just going to make this character Joker. And I, that, that I didn't like. Um, we're going to get into uh, some other voices later that I thought did much better job, but yeah, the, it just, it still kept pulling me out of the story hearing the Joker constantly. So yeah. Sean, Jesse. Jesse, you want to go next? Um, I, um, I, I, I didn't believe, I didn't believe Skeletor. I, at least I didn't believe he was sincere in the stuff he was. Cause he start, starts talking. He's like, did I blame this? Did I blame? No, I blamed myself. I'm like, what? That's, 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 not, that's not Skeletor. I was like, if that's him, it, it, I was, I was on that whole thing. It's because he's been corrupted and taken over. And like, yeah. you know, like that, that's, you know, he's, been programmed i didn't i I thought that techno cult was a lot creepier in revelation like when they infect that kid like in Mm -hmm. the second or third episode whenever they reveal that i was like oh god like that like made me super uncomfortable this i didn't feel as weird about maybe because they were doing it to too bad and he's he's bad guy and it wasn't just some random kid uh that just started screaming as they're like (laughs) or whatever um i thought i thought that was an interesting take uh uh you know to go you know that that's where those characters went in revelation so um i i did like this scene because it's like like you said it's skeletor he's always got his own plan and you know there's something going on his own agenda um i'm and i'm somewhere between the two of you guys on the voice like i i didn't think it was like my like like, like amazing i did feel it was a little more distinct yeah like i mean i definitely get what you're saying curtis like i mean it's mark hamill doing that 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 kind of voice yeah it's in the family Um, like but i i feel like it was distinct enough but i i like that he kind of toned down from the it felt like in in revelation it was a little over the top you know Mm -hmm. i feel a lot of the stuff in that first series was over the top you know like We've only got five episodes, well, 10 episodes to give the fans everything they've been wanting for the past 30 years. So we're just going to pour it all in 
one giant uh, garbage cookie. Um, I'm not calling it garbage. I'm I'm, I'm talking. About, like, <laughs> you that, heard it here, folks. Cookies where you throw Jesse all Arnold different... calls Revelation no, 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 no. garbage. <laughs> no, isn't that what they call the those cookies or the pancakes or whatever where you throw like they all call the it everything everything cookie or everything bagel Kitchen not sink garbage cookie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that's all right. What, you made for, I, you made I, I wasn't good, calling like, it garbage great. because it was bad. I was calling it <laughs> because they threw everything that was they had into one thing. Um, I, 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 I liked. It. I thought it was cool. I liked the whole motherboard sequence. You know the way they teased that at the end of Revelation. It, it had me hooked. I'm like, all right, what are they going to do with Skeletor? Because like, mm-hmm. if if real Skeletor is trapped inside his own mind, you know, is there going to be like a a duel between like the the personalities in there or him fighting off? You know, so it, it had me intrigued um, with with what was going to happen. Agreed. Yeah. Um, the I I I kind of felt I kind of missed the creepiness that was Motherboard in the first in Revelation because with, with them doing this to Too Bad in this one, it almost felt mundane now. But when they were doing it in Reve- Revelation, especially with Skeletor, you legitimately were like. I shouldn't be watching this moment. This really feels uncomfortable to see this, you know? And, and in this case, it's just like, okay, we, we, we did that too bad. It's done too. Okay, fine. We're moving on, you know? And um, it was almost, uh, there's, there's no pomp and circumstance to the moment that even the, the music wasn't quite there. Like it, like they had motherboard and all that in the first one. And this, that felt lackluster, but what got me here, um, so we were speaking about the voice uh, for Teela. The voice for Motherboard was like mm. a freaking time travel device for me. Hearing her talk in this, it literally felt like I was in the theater watching the 87 movie on that summer when it was out. And just everything, like she has not lost that evil Lynn voice that she used then, Meg, Meg Foster. Yep. And... Uh, she's a welcome addition to this because I just like, that's lore to me. That's a, that's master's lore versus here's William Shatner or here's John Delancey. It's like, those guys are star Trek. That's yep. it. And that's fine. They, they work well as star Trek, but when you have Meg Foster showing up or, you know, it's like all of a sudden you're like, Oh, there's my childhood that I'm listening to now. And, and she was part of the weird part where I was accepting of all of it before all of a sudden I accepted none of it with the new adventures. So, <laughs> yeah. Nah, she did a great job. She's a perfect voice for Motherboard. Great blast from the past. Uh, and honestly, uh, Keith David as, as Hordak. Like, I yep. really, I'm like, all right, this, I can get behind this. He still had a bit of like the snorts and stuff, but it was more just kind of, it, it felt real natural. Mm-hmm. with him just like part of his breathing and not not as comical i know that always drove sean nuts and whenever we review a filmation episode but it's it, when you see that face and you see yeah. that nose you figure he's gonna snort something <laughs> and that doesn't bother me and keith david did it perfectly but when you have it where every other thing is <laughs> all the time, I'm like, oh, my God, just stop. Just <laughs> nuts. Like, when I was a kid and I couldn't accept it, you knew that it was over. It was overblown. So, yeah. Have have we already started to talk about that uh, fight scene on Hord, Hordak's ship or is that 
not. That's a different. No, that's a different episode. Oh, yeah, okay, different gotcha. episode. Yeah, gotcha. this is just. Uh, she just reports to him. Gotcha. Just, uh, yeah, he's 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 just happy. He's gotcha. happy. Hordak. And I and it, I mean, the voice was really good. I I I felt like, um, maybe because it's that voice. I don't know, but it did like made me feel a little terrified i guess yeah you know like it was you know especially when when you first approach him and he's got his back turned and all you're seeing is like his hand and his fingers tapping and then he yeah. spins he spins around and you know something about that voice like okay this is a legit terrifying character in this series um so yeah well, the thing about that, to, to go along with what you're talking about, is like Mark Hamill's Skeletor almost reminds me of how my brain gets when I have too much going on. His voice is like an ADD villain voice. And it's like everything has to be done in the craziest amount of speeds and the craziest mm-hmm. amount, amount of energy. And when you get Keith David in there and he has this gravatus in his voice... He's got the tone. I love that being a counterbalance to Skeletor in this. Mm-hmm. And I love that all he has to do is say one or two lines and your blood runs cold going, I'm scared for Eternia because this guy wants it now. Mm-hmm. And it's like with, with Skeletor, there's this, well, he's this version of Skeletor, but he still has some humor to him. This guy's like the freaking grim reaper about to invade this is no good yeah. you can't deal with this guy you can't rationalize with him yeah and that's yeah. part of the the whole joker thing for me too it's not just the voice but the way that he plays uh, skeletor it does feel very chaotic Man. crazy villain you know which is very much joker um whereas the contrast like you said you then get to hordak and it's like very slow methodical calm like he like nothing's rattling him like he's mm-hmm. just you know like like it's it, it's there's something terrifying about somebody that is that calm about you know taking over universes Absolutely. and stuff like that you know yeah and we'll Absolutely. get we'll get to the reference yeah, that's like next episode but like you get right off the bat like you know, like you said, Skeletor is going now. Now I need, mm-hmm. I need the crown now. And Hordak just like, yeah, popping the Eternia once every fifty years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I think we, yeah. oh, we lost you there for a second, Dooch. No, yeah, he, but yeah, Hordak's Hordak's the type of villain who's like, I'm just gonna pop up like every once in a while and rattle the cage, test your defense. No, Grayskull's still strong. All right. I'll see you guys in a couple centuries. All right, what's going on now? Uh, yeah, he's definitely a long it. game like, guy. Yeah. yeah, he's not worried about anything. He's just, yeah. he's not even trying anything. He's got Motherboard sitting in Snake Mountain, mm-hmm. slowly assimilating and, you know, amassing these followers, which is growing and growing. And it's like, yeah, we're good. And so by the time, you know, by the time anybody even knows what's going on, it's going to be too late. And that's mm-hmm. his plan. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's what I love. E- Eternity War, which you know was a fantastic comic series, in my opinion, and definitely, you know, this whole saga takes a lot of cues from that. You know, Rob David was a big part behind the comic and this series, and that was one of the things they did. You know, because coming from filmation, where 
you know, Hordak and Skeletor, you had kind of the magic and technology, but at the end of the day, like, they were the same villain, basically. Like, I mean, Hordak had the bigger army and everything, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, they were just that villain. And ever since Eternity War with playing up Hordak, you're really playing up the Horde aspect. And, the you know, he's not about even quality, really, but just if I have enough hordesmen you know i can conquer anything i'm just gonna overwhelm you and i'm gonna outlast you so mm-hmm. uh yeah it's just it's a lot of fun seeing that and i i like that dichotomy where it's like they're not the same villain and it it it's refreshing and hordeck is just menacing yeah all right scene three uh, back at the palace, Adam is shocked to learn that his father is dying of organ failure, and he has known for weeks. Uh, Mendor, the royal physician, has not been able to find a cure, and Randor is out of time. Uh, his last wish was to spend his remaining time fighting alongside his son and the other heroes, and forbade Duncan and Marlena from telling Adam. <clears throat> Uh, Adam pleads to Tila for her to save Randor as she did for him previously. Randor will not allow it, stating that death comes for everyone, even for kings. He said the thing. He said the thing, Sean. He said the thing. (laughs) Uh, He said it. Tila heads back to to resurrect Preternia. Uh, she had been trying and failing for a while, <clears throat> and it w- was bad enough. Uh, as she talks to Orko, it reveals that it was bad enough knowing that all these heroic so- souls were lost and drifting out there. Uh, but she cannot stand the fact that Adam has to let his father die, knowing that their his soul will just fade away forever. Uh, Orko suggests that she seek help. From her mother. Jesse, you haven't kicked us off yet. Go. I'll I'll go first. I um it, again, this is one of those things that uh, I felt they did in the first season as well. They they rushed they rushed some stuff to make things happen. I think they handled it better in this one. Um uh the like the weight and all of that, like I, I felt it, but I feel it's like, oh man, I just kind of like got on board with Randor, like at the end of the last series, like, <laughs> like enjoyed that he was having this, this stuff with his son. And, um, my headphones are about to die. Um, and, uh, just, just kind of rushing into this, like in, in the, in the first episode, just felt a little bit, um, but that's life, man. You just you, no, 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 never, no, no. you well, never know. It. You no, never know no. how much time no. you get. So I, I know, I know. It just but like the, the fact that they're they're like tying this up in like the yeah. second scene with the heroes, like um but the only thing like actual plot wise, I didn't like that he was like you can't be He Man and Adam. And well we'll get there. Thing. We'll get there. Isn't that didn't they talk about that in this scene? They will. Not this scene, not yet. I'm sorry. You're good. Um, 
These last couple scenes oh, blend, oh, oh. blend together really well. Um, so, but I so, wanted to yeah, split it, it up. It was, it was good. I, I liked it. Like they, they got the emotions there. Like I said, it just felt a little rushed, but they got there. I thought it, it was good. You know, I don't know if because I didn't know it. I don't know if he was new to this episode, but like when they called the the doctor Mendor, I kind of yeah. was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, that was actually he originally appeared in uh, the DC Comics Eternity War. That was his okay. first appearance. Um, I'm like, why am I laughing? Like, that's not any more ridiculous than any other name. It works so well. It fits perfectly. I'm like, <sighs> uh, but I, I like that. Uh, it was, uh, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, at first I was like, you know, I'm like, th- that's it? Like, he doesn't even get a, her- a heroic death. It's just organ failure. But then, like, the more doing i'm like no that's like that that makes it hit harder really like you can't even adam doesn't even have anything to be mad at right because if you go mm-hmm. you know Scareglow injured him all right then it's revenge on Scareglow. it's a retribution thing like what you know whatever but just having this be that that just outside uncontrollable force it's it's the pa kent thing it's like you know, Superman can save anybody from anything except for his father from a heart attack. Like, and, and it's humbling and it hits you out of nowhere. And unfortunately, that's just the way life goes sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then on the flip side, watching Tila and her struggles and you get the feel that some time has passed. She's getting her powers. You know, there's even talk that she's already visited her mother from time to time. Uh, she's trying not to go to her for everything. She makes that comment to Orko. Um, and again, the animation when she's calling down the Zor magic and trying to resurrect Preternia, and you got the lion central tower like forming Cave of Wonders style. I'm just like, it's just so damn beautiful to look at. Like, I I am in. And and again, this is the point where we see, like, okay. Preter- the the lack of paternity is going to be a thing here. Uh, this is going to be a season long arc. So, and at this point, I'm just like, I I'm in. Like, let's see where we're going. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Jesse on this. Like, there's there, you know, you're doing this season across five episodes instead of t- across ten, and yep. so you've got to truncate some of that. Uh, I get it. And, and we've talked about some of this with like the Marvel series, like there's, it's, it's finding that sweet spot, you know, sometimes you have too many episodes where it feels like you're just throwing shit in there to kind of stretch it out. Uh, whereas this felt like it's like, okay, we just finished this fight with, you know, in, in Subternia and now the King's dying. We don't really know why we don't know what's going on. And, you know, we're going to get to it in a second, but then he's dead. Like, it's just like this whole yeah. thing where it's like, boom, 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 boom with not a whole lot of explanation or, you know, time to process feelings and stuff like that. Um, so it did to me feel there's, there's only two times throughout this series where I was like, that's pretty rushed, but I think it's pretty rushed because there's only five episodes. This was the first of the two for me. Um, one thing that I really did like though, this is kind of continuing from the first one, like 
you know, I, I am liking Adam more in this series and I'm liking how they're portraying Adam. Like he is more of a man. He's not a boy. And, mm -hmm. you know, just, just some things like simple animation and this, I'm just going to throw my phone up here real quick, but like in this scene right here, you can see like Adam is standing next to Tila. Tila is actually looking up at Adam in revelation. Tila was significantly taller than Adam and looking down upon him. And he looked, it, it was like they made him as if he was a child. Yeah. Um, Adam is not a child here. Um, so I, I, I just, those little subtle differences in the animation made a huge difference for me. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I still, at this point, I'm very much liking where the story is going, but I'm like, ah, oh, this feels a little rushed, but I'm still along for the ride. I see the changes that you're making and, and I'm, I'm ready for it. So. Yeah, for me, um, Randor's whole thing almost made me think of uh, episode three. She's dying of a broken heart thing. It really felt like that it, as much as I hate the way they did it in episode three. This felt a lot less crappy, but it, I, I still like when, when that when they went there, I was like, really? Like, we didn't have time. Adam doesn't have time. How the hell does that line up in any way, shape, or form? And I think I went in with preconceived ideas of it would have been nice to say we knew he he was sick when he got into the battle suit, but he wanted to go anyway or something. Yeah. You know, like show him coughing or something at least to give you a hint like, ah, uh, uh, that's weird. Why is he coughing or whatever? And then when they go here... It's not so all of a sudden, like, bam, all of a sudden he's dying and organ failure and all this stuff, which for me, I was like, that, that's still an odd, like, how does that work? And they can't stop. Uh, okay. I don't know. Um, I really like it's the human. It's the freaking human bringing the the common cold to attorney. There it is. It just took 20 years. It, it wow. 20 years. Of it's, all it's, it's the earth flu. It's <laughs> over the corner. Like, you know, I get the whole castle. It's going to be great. I'm going to have a party. Um, but uh, the, the one part about this that actually, I, I don't, I, I don't know why the first time I saw this, it didn't even register until the uh, scene with Tila trying to resurrect, uh, preternia and i was like oh shit like that that really shocked me more than even randor it was the whole oh shit he doesn't have anywhere to go this is actually a really cool ticking time bomb for the story right. to deal with this and i like that she's taking it just as hard as adam but she's taking it hard in her way of feeling responsibility for what she can handle and Adam's taking it hard in this. I'm losing my father, and I'm also having to figure out my place in this new, without my father, life that I'm about to have and all that. So on either side of it, the story implications are really interesting. It is really weird that just out of nowhere, our brain door is just, okay, we're going to just off them at this point. But yeah, it does, um, it does feel yeah. like she has guilt, like that yes. she hasn't been able to up until this point bring Paternia back and, mm -hmm. and give him a place to go for, you know, his sake, for Adam's sake, forever, you know, not only for them, but the other people that are out there kind of yeah. as lost souls right now. So yeah, it, it, she is definitely taking it very hard. Um, one other thing I forgot to mention too, um, the, the whole secret aspect of it. I mean, we spent 
you know, revelation kind of dealing with, you know, Adam keeping the secret from Tila and his dad about being He-Man. And and now, you know, his dad is, is been sick and keeping the secret from, from them. And it's, you know, (laughs) I don't know, at some point you would think that they would go, Hey, these secrets really haven't been good for us. Um, you know, we should make sure that we're being open and honest with one another, but uh, no, nope. Adam, Adam kept that for me for 20 years. I'm keeping this for him for two <laughs> well, weeks. I got left. Right. The, the thing, how's the, it feel, the one, son? <laughs> the, one, the one thing I liked about that, though, and it might not be this scene, but I'll, I'm gonna say it here anyway since we're bringing it up is, is there is that line where Randor says, uh, if I would have told you, you would have done everything in your power as yeah. He-Man to stop this. Mm-hmm. And that's not important compared to the other stuff that we need to do. And that moment was enough for me. It it, it really was like there with great power comes great responsibility. Or in Star Trek, they do the you know for the for the good of all or the good of the one kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. I I do appreciate that message there, where it's like, could he have expended all of his energy to find a cure? Yes. Would Eternia have needed him? For other reasons, absolutely. You know so what? Which are you like gonna to do? Me, you know, it, it, Sean, you'll appreciate this in um, Man of Steel when Kevin Costner just like puts up his hand, yeah, <laughs> like you know, like the whole like I know you could save me right now, mm-hmm. but don't. But, yeah, you know, that's what it felt like. But yeah. see that. Well, go ahead, Matt. I was gonna say I, that's the thing. To me, it's like so. Like I said before, if it's an if it's an outside force, if it's somebody who does this, then it mm-hmm. becomes a revenge story. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't die right away, then it becomes a how can I save him story. Mm-hmm. And yet, yeah, with it only being five episodes, we don't have time for that. So mm-hmm. it's like he, you know, it story wise, he has to die here. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the story is about him dying. When really, mm-hmm. that's not the story is about what comes next yeah where adam's going from here what's his place in the universe (laughs) you know when yeah (laughs) i will i will go on record as saying thankfully he-man doesn't have super speed that would have maybe prevented that problem in the first place (laughs) (laughs) all right scene four all right Sorry, I didn't uh, mean to trigger Sean. <laughs> Randor says his final goodbyes to Adam and Marlena. He shares his love with both of them, uh, but not before warning Adam that he will not be able to be the world's champion and king, as that is too much for any man to bear, even a He-Man. Uh, right before he passes, he mentions uh, the losses that he has uh felt throughout his life including a brother he mentions that both adam and marlena seem surprised by uh meanwhile tila gets guidance from her mother whose spirit is trapped in grayskull with there being no paternia to go to uh our sorceress uh talks to her daughter and reveals that she will continue to fail as long as she only taps into Zor magic to try and resurrect the towers as they were created using the magic of all three old gods, Zor, Ka, and Havoc. Um, if Tila is to resurrect the towers, she will need all three of the these magics. 
Uh, unfortunately, snake magic has been lost for eons. Uh, sorceress guides her to the last place that it was practiced. Dark smoke. Uh, at Randor's funeral, which is also Adam's coronation, Adam delivers a touching eulogy uh, recounting a billow bike that his dad made for him, yet he never rode it. Uh, as Adam laments that he will never be half the man or king his father was, a voice cries out, suggesting that he not accept the crown then. A man appears from the crowd who claims to be the rightful ruler of Eternos, Prince Keldor. Dun, 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 dun. Sean, kick us I'll, off. Yeah, I'll do it. Um, so I was I was pleasantly surprised by how emotional the death like the speech at the at at uh randor's funeral hit me like a ton of bricks and i did not think that was going to happen with this show um because honestly a little little personal uh, anecdote it, it reminded me of uh when the 87 movie happened that summer my dad was building um an addition onto our house and he had all this extra wood just laying around. And at one point I showed him the uh, William Stout pictures. Uh, um, th there was a magazine, a souvenir magazine of the master's movie. And I showed him some of the pictures and then he drew one of the, the swords and cut it out with a bandsaw for me. And that nice. was my power sword that summer. Wow. And so he built me like two or three power swords. He built me a Conan one. He built me one that looked more like the movie version. He built me the one that looked like the William Stout version. And so I'm listening to this speech that Adam's giving, and it hit me like when my dad did that for me, and it had to do with Masters on top of all that. So I was really impressed with how that all played out. Um, and and the whole, I, I mean, yes, even though I'm not a big filmation guy, the, the dark smoke part, the fact that they even said you have to tie together Zor magic, the Ka magic, and when they said Havoc, I was yeah. like geeking out for the CGI show right there because that's Rob David probably putting that in there, and I love it. And I, I'm, I'm still a fan that that's something in play even in this series. So, uh, yeah. Curtis, Curtis, it, you, you. It looked like, like he was about to go. talk. He was moving no, his head around. I, like I was, that I'm just wait. Like there's no structure here, and I'm getting lost. And it's it's it's. <laughs> there's that. You just jump me. in. Yeah, I want to. I want a round robin or something. Um, okay. Uh, first thing um, on the the whole, you know, can't be champion and king thing. Uh, I agree. I understand what he's saying. Like you, you can't, you can't devote everything that you need to, to both, right. um, you know, anything that you're trying to be great at, you have to put time to like, if you're, if you want to be a great musician, you have to put the time to, it. if you want to be a great artist, you have to put the time to, you know, whatever it is. So I get what he's saying being said, you know, we've got this character in classics and throughout that we've heard of it, which is King He-Man. Mm. And that's where I thought this was going was like a King He-Man. Um, and I really wanted to see King He-Man, 
And, you know, maybe we'll talk as this goes on. Maybe if there's more series down the road, maybe we get a, a King He-Man. But I, you know, so that part kind of irritated me at first. But then I was like, you know, I get it. He's right. Like, you, you got to make a choice but here. Um, you can't be dropping everything like, oh, we have all these royal decrees to do. Oh, sorry, there was an explosion over there. I got to go take care of that. Yeah, I might get sent off to Trannis for a couple weeks. You know, that happens sometimes. Like, you know, you just... I, I get it, the logistics yeah. of it. It's just, you know, I mean, but we are living in a fantasy universe. And, you know, I was like, oh, I hope this is going towards a King He-Man. So, so a little sadness on there, but I get it. Um, you know, I was very happy to see the sorceress, our sorceress. Yes. Um, and the fact that she just not gone, you know, because uh, mm -hmm. that was something I was really... I, I was not happy when she got killed off in the first series. Um, but the fact that she's there and can still give advice and stuff, I thought was cool. And I also like how they've begun this kind of two adventures thing, mm -hmm. you know, like, mm -hmm. like now, you know, Tila is kind of going this way, working on this thing. And Adam's working on this other thing. And both things are important. It's not like one supersedes the other or one is having to protect the other one or anything like that. Nobody's better. It's like, I have to go on this adventure. You have to go on that adventure. Um, and I like that. I, I feel like through throughout the rest of the series, that works out really well. Um, and then at the end, the whole, you know, you, you said the, you know, Keldor arrives. And I just got to say, like, I didn't I didn't pay attention to any of this stuff leading up to it. I had no idea who the casting was. Yep. I had no idea what the story was. I didn't even watch the trailer or whatever the the, the I like I just tried to stay away from it. Right. Um so that voice comes out and I'm like, "Man, that's an awesome voice." Like yeah. I freaking love this guy. Like I'm like, "Who is that?" And it wasn't until the next episode we get into it and he gets a little bit more dialogue that's that when like, I realized it. I'm like, wait was... a minute, that's Shatner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I have to say, like, you know, we I talked about the Mark Hamill and how I like I just like felt like he he fell into this comfort zone with the whole Joker thing. Um, I think Shatner was freaking amazing. Like, I think out of all the voice acting that was done in this series, like that's the one for me that I was like, Yes, I love it. I want more of it. I yeah. It was freaking awesome. He did a kick-ass job. So mm -hmm. um, I have no idea how old Shatner is at this point, but he's got to be up there. But, man, he, he killed I, it. I want to so. see somebody said he's in his 90s right now. So oh, that's amazing. He will turn he, 93. There you go. Yeah. He, I mean, he and killed he, it. He did you not know? set. Like, uh, Alan Oppenheimer played Mossman in the first, mm -hmm. in Revelation, and you could definitely, like, you wouldn't be able to tell that was Alan Oppenheimer the same way versus mm. when I hear when I, the minute you hear Shatner's voice in this, you're like, no freaking way. You know, like, that's just, nuts. I honestly did not know who it was at first. I was just like, whoever this voice actor is, he's freaking killing it. Even and, I didn't, yeah. I didn't place it until the next episode where he, yeah. he, cause he's only got the, the two lines at the end of yeah. the episode. Um, and it was one of those things where it's like William Shatner, he was playing 
And a lot of people thought he was going to end up playing Gwildor because, you know, Gwildor through the toy line got mm -hmm. revealed early on. Even I was, I really thought they were going to do Shatner as Gwildor. Um, so, yeah, this was, this was a nice turn and uh, we'll definitely get in that more next episode. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, I know you don't watch other things until you do your review, but I was watching Ted Biaselli talk the other night and he actually mentioned that, 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 um, you know, he, a lot of people were saying that Shatner was going to be Gwildor and he was yeah. just like, he knew that like Ted Biaselli is the one that actually voices Gwildor. Yeah. And yeah. so he was like, he was like, oh, they think Shatner's Gwildor. Okay. Well, let's just run with this. Like, we'll just let them think that. Right. And mm -hmm. so like, he was happy to let everybody just think that Shatner was going to be Gwildor. Um, and then, yeah, not so much. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, this was this this was a heck of a scene here, you know. And uh, big shout out here, another voice actor change from first season to second season, uh, Alicia Silverstone, who I didn't technically mind, but she didn't get a lot to do in Revelation. So Alicia Silverstone played Marlena in Revelation. Uh, in Revolution, she was replaced by Gates McFadden of Star Trek: The Next Generation fame. Uh, and she was amazing. She was. And it's like, I didn't mind Alicia, but knowing where this story, now knowing where this story goes, I'm really glad they switched her up because I don't think Alicia could have pulled it off. No. Um, no. And she doesn't have a lot of lines in this, but when she does, they're delivered very well. Yeah, it's it's got to be right. I mean, with yeah. all the emotions going on here, all that, and she, she's, you know, just be prepared. Like she's got some stuff coming up here. Like she, Marlena plays an integral part, if not a large part here. So, uh, yeah, just, it, it was a refreshing change, lots of emotion. Um, and then, you know, as somebody who had been following it, you know, we, Sean and I did the, the comic leading up to it and, you know, we broke down the trailer and, you know, with them stating very clearly, I mean, Revelation had a whole prequel comic about it, that Skeletor in this continuity is the demon from another dimension. Mm. For them to then pull out Keldor and go, yeah, we also have Randor's brother Keldor. It's like, okay, where are we going with this? You know, and again, surprise character, wasn't announced, you know, beforehand. And I'm like, you know, I'm sitting here going, well, they can't, it can't be Skeletor. So what are we going to do with this Keldor? And uh, we'll definitely get into that next episode. But it's, you know, even, even, at, even as a lifelong fan who followed everything, that moment took me by surprise where I'm like, okay, we're going here. Uh, but since he's not tied into Skeletor's origin, it's like, okay, let's see how they do this. All right. Yeah, that, that was cool. I don't even think I realized it was William Shatner until this conversation. Um, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I just, I just hit skip. It's as soon as the credits would hit, I would just hit skip. So like, I never paid attention to the names. Um, I keep thinking on it now. I'm like, oh, of course it was like, you know, um, so I don't have a lot to say about that aspect. Of, and I think he did a, a fantastic job. Um, 
it was surprising to see Keldor because even again, I'm not as as deep into this stuff as as you guys and the the lore and the history. But like, I knew the connection there and everything. I was like, right, wait, what? I was like, okay, like it, they they did a really good job in this first episode of really like given some good hooks into where is this oh, yeah. going to go, yeah. which is what a first episode should do. So like mm-hmm. major props to that. Um, yeah, the, the, like Sean was saying the whole speech, um, it didn't hit me in the same way, but I thought that was, I was like, okay, we're, we're going back. It's just this random little story. You know, it's not some grand adventure. It's not some big Epic, you know, you know, they may take our lives. They'll never take our freedom kind of a speech. <laughs> you know, it, it was very a son reminiscing on, on his father. And right. I, I thought that was really beautiful and really well done. And I thought, I think to spend as much time as they did on that speech in that mm-hmm. scene um, was, was, was really good. Like that, that's one of the things I think that offset some of my, Mm-hmm. this point with yeah. how rushed some of the earlier stuff was it's like okay you you paid this off here it's not like princess princess leia watches alderaan blow up in star wars and we never talk about it again mm-hmm. no, she's, ever she's comforting luke an hour later like oh you yeah. never did. which but, i i that works but let, let, <laughs> let dude, a real quick question though do we know what a billow bike is have we ever seen that is that something uh, no, they that's... just made that up on the spot okay i didn't know if that was something from like a I, comic book or from uh, lore or something that I uh, I was like I have no idea what that is. Well, but okay. I, I'll I'll put a ninety nine per. I'm ninety nine percent sure that is just a thing they made up here. Okay, and I swear, uh, maybe eighty percent sure that that story is actually from Kevin Smith's life. Okay, I, I feel like I've heard him tell that story before. Okay. Um, about the bike and you know being made for him, and he was embarrassed about it. Like I, I, I can't back that up other than a vague memory. I probably should have looked it up, but I feel like that was listed from at least partly from his personal life. Gotcha. Sorry to interrupt there, Jesse. I was just like, "What is a billow bike?" <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, but the the whole thing about you know you can't be he-man and king like the only thing in that speech when he was saying that to him that that was like i was like okay i can kind of he's like well you can't just go running off on an adventure and i'm like but that and maybe this is just my lack of investment or lack of understanding but like to me that's never what he-man was was just i'm gonna go abandon everything and go on an adventure sorry i hit my mic um you know i I think having Adam being able to lead the people as, you know, politician and in battle when necessary, I like, I, again, like Curtis was saying, it's a fantasy world where things can happen, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't dig with that, that moment until, like I said, the was like, you just can't run away. Like, I don't think if he was He-Man and King, he would just like be like, well, I'm bored of signing these documents today. Let's go down <laughs> some trees in the forest to practice my sword skills. You know, it's yeah. not. The, the thing is, in uh, for instance, like 2000X Randor was way more a man of action than mm-hmm. Formation Randor ever was. Yeah. And since that's the way that they went with this as, hey, you know, we're, we're following the coattails of what Filmation was about. That Randor was always going to be that Randor. 
But if the, if it would have also included like the 2000X, he wouldn't have been able to have that speech. But the other thing too, again, the condensing things because you get five episodes and trying to make stuff sure. happen. Him doing that was just automatically giving Adam, here's an obstacle that I have to figure out how to overcome by the end of these five episodes on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. So it kind of worked for me on that level of how do you make it work? Um, but at the same time, it, it's it's specifically like this Randor is that version. Mm-hmm. And if if it was any other version of Randor, especially 2000X, he wouldn't have even had that argument because he is that kind of a king in that show. More well, that's another part that bugged me with that was that like throughout all the different iterations of Prince Adam, like Filmation, 2000X, whatever, like we've seen where, you know, Randor is kind of disappointed in him at times that he's not more of a man of action. Like he's yeah. not going and doing this stuff. Yeah. And even yeah. where Tila is training him to be ready to do this stuff and it's like so so like through all the iterations that we've seen it's like adam getting trained and trying to the expectation is is that he's ready to be a not the champion but a champion one of the you know people that are going to defend you know this this world and then now it's like okay now you need to you know don the robes and and hang out and 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 this is right after randor just went on a freaking mission with them to subternia and was in a suit fighting. It's like, it just seems very hypocritical where it's like, Hey, you know, I'm able to go on adventures and stuff, but you're not allowed to. You're able to go on some adventures, some planned missions that you've, you know, you've allowed time for like, but not just like said, like, so he can definitely be Eternos champion, but that's not who He-Man is. He-Man is Eternia's champion. And so if you're going to be He-Man, you got to be able to be everywhere, wherever you're needed, however long you're needed. Like, it's... you That doesn't work. Yes, he would I get be it. It just seems a little hypocritical. So. It, because of the way the it ends with Keldor showing up, like, I feel like they could have set that up better than like if he if, if randor would have said something he's like you know there may be a day where you have to choose between being king yeah and he-man you know make it a choice and he's like oh keldor's here i don't have to make the choice anymore which is what mm. happens mm. spoiler alert um <laughs> wow <laughs> i mean yes, it's literally like, i mean that's literally what the- he says that's literally what keldor says is like you know then don't be king you know yeah. it's like you know it, it, we've you know the whole thing of like you can't that if this was like a an 80s kids cartoon this show and it was like teaching a lesson of like you you can't be two things that contradict i get it but like this was made for largely for adults who grew up with this stuff we can take a little bit of complexity in in this thing and do you think um, I just feel like it was I just feel like it was set up it, it, too black and white, especially Curtis. Mm. Like he just went on a mission in an armor, knowing he was dying and not telling keeping secrets mm-hmm. about a brother, keeping secrets about his health. Mm. And then just it, it felt a little, again, just convenient just to set up the plot point. But that's, you know, we're super dissecting this. And absolutely, and, that's, you know, what we do. Do you think it would have helped you guys if they had done a little bit of a time gap, like had Randor pass 
maybe go six months later and like show Adam struggling, like you know, having him be I, be overwhelmed with the the duties of king and stuff. I don't think so. I think it's what no. Jesse said. Like, like if if Randor would have just said it as a you know, hey, you know, this is the being king is a massive responsibility. Being the champion is a massive responsibility. There's probably going to become come a day that you're not going to be able to do both. I think if he had said it like that, I'm cool. The fact that he made it black and white, like you can't do both, is where I'm like, okay, it's not that black and white, but you know. So I think that was it. Um, I don't think it needed wow. more time or any of that. Like that didn't bother me. It was just the the black and white nature of it. it I mean, we just got done with Revelation where they told, you know, Tila, like, if you're going to be the sorceress, you can't yeah. leave Castle Grayskull. And she's yeah. like, well, screw it. I'm doing it anyway. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the, like you, I, you break I down those. doesn't turn out badly for anybody. Well, I'm just saying like, <laughs> you, you know, when, when they, when you're, you have two choices listed in front of you, sometimes you can make a third and, you know, just making it black and white was the part where I was like, eh, I don't know about that, but okay. You know, well, I'm I mean, still along for the ride, but yeah. Cause that's a trope in so many superhero things. Like you have to choose Gwen Stacy or the kids on the, 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 the train or whatever you know like mm-hmm. you have to choose Gwen one of Stacey, these things obviously you know uh you know you know in the the one horrible batman are you gonna save robin or uh i don't even remember who the other option is is it batgirl i think it's batgirl yeah he's got two you know riddler's got yeah. the two people and he's like oh I i'm just gonna one. save both it, yeah you it's know? from your your movie that you like so much the Batman and, Forever you know, or it's just like whenever you give that girl wasn't in Batman, Forever. Oh, Batman and Robin. It's the next one. So it was yeah. Nicole Kidman or whoever the hero, the, the Alicia Silverstone was yeah. Batgirl. You always save Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. <laughs> Except for but after her revolution. I don't know if I would do that. I'd still anymore. save her. I was going to say that. <laughs> um, it just, it, it just whenever too. you present that, I just feel like that's that's a trope that that gets done too often. It's like, well, they're going to come up with a third option, you well, know. Yeah. I, I so, also feel like it's, again it's a, for for me the the without, one thing that that saves me a little bit on this is that Randor has underestimated Adam his whole life. You know, like he didn't realize that he was doing this stuff as a prince and being He Man, so he's always underestimated him, and I feel like that's part of this as well um who knows like you know we we may get another series down the road and maybe he says you know randor is wrong i can do both of these and you know whatever we'll see i mean there 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 is a character in in uh master's lore that kind of proved that king grayskull he literally is the the blueprint for he-man whether you go with the revelation version or you go with the 2000x version that's a character who he didn't let one thing say, oh, I can't be that, but I can only be this because he just did both and mm-hmm. it worked. And uh, yeah, I mean, personally, it's like he doesn't know Adam's story. It, it, you know what yeah. I mean? Like Randor only just found stuff out. He doesn't know how Adam he's never seen how Adam has done this for this long. He probably could pull it off. It's just him being who he is. It's such a black and white concept, the same as it's almost that generational thing of, okay, that generation only sees these are the two options you get. There is no C. You only have A or B. And then the new generation goes, 
but I could do this then. And then the older generation is like, you son of a, you know, like, you know, the more we're talking about this, the more I'm okay with this, this whole scene, because it does feel to me like that's just something that uh, an, an old man that's dying set in his ways believes that doesn't necessarily make it true. So exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. We're cool. Thanks for talking me through that trauma. And just remember (laughs) folks today, we learned that if you're on your deathbed, Choose your words very wisely or Curtis will be upset with you. <sighs> Look, if this was like a, an actual real person dying, I would be a lot less harsh on what they were saying. Yeah. <laughs> Get the to know. There was a room, there's a room full of people writing this and making this, spending a lot of time. Like that that's the only reason I can nitpick this. It's like it's like they're like Jesse. I can guarantee you know, my my dying words Jesse. are gonna be something like, wait. <laughs> Jesse's gonna don't, have it scripted up. My dying words are gonna be like, "Don't put the Kool Aid in the rice." Remember to turn off over. the oven. <laughs> I hope all uh, the wherewithal to be like, the money's hidden in the. <laughs> Spoiler alert! They ain't no money. I spent all that. I was gonna say that's when it turns into the Mel Brooks movie, and I pretend to be dead and come back to life. Just kidding. There's no money. I <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's episode one. Uh, let's break it down. Power sword rating. So we've got three power swords. That's the absolute best of the best. Uh, no flaws. We got two power swords. That's above average. Very good. Very enjoyable. We got one power sword. That is a good episode. Uh, then we've got the cosmic enforcer. That's right down the middle. That's neutral. Neither good nor bad. Then we got our Havoc Staffs. One Havoc Staff is bad. Two Havoc Staffs are worse. Three Havoc Staffs should be locked away in Subternia forever. Uh, we'll start with Jesse. Jesse, what is your Power Sword rating? And this is He-Man, so there are half Power Swords if you need them. Okay, I'm, I'm going to give it one and a half. I was going to say two, but if I can do half, I'm going to say one and a half because couple nitpicky things but it's a first episode they're setting up a lot of stuff and the hooks that they gave me to pull me further into the series which i was going for anyway right but they're like i'm like okay i i like i like that it's like i don't know where this is gonna go maybe i have an idea but i'm hooked so one and a half curtis Uh, i'm gonna go go ahead to uh power swords um i i really liked it like just said i had a few nitpicky things but um, I felt like they came out of the gate swinging and they they did a good job of in this episode and other episodes really leaving each episode making you want more. So Sean? Yeah, I, I gotta I gotta agree too. Um as in two power swords, uh this this nearly made me go, wow, I, I'm just gonna stick with this and not worry about what we watched for 10 episodes previously. This this is the beginning of something I actually want to see and it feels right. Um, and the journey that they're setting up here actually has me invested in only 20, 25 minutes, however long the episode was. Yeah, I got to I got to agree. Two power swords, uh, definitely well above average. Uh, the hooks were great. I wanted to start the next episode immediately. And then blindsiding me with the Keldor thing, it's like, you know, and that's something Sean and I have talked a lot about on the show, the CGI series. I really love that because 
there were a lot of points in there where I didn't know where the story was going because it could be anything. And so to have them, that's something I didn't think could be done in a more mainline continuity of masters for them to blindside me like that. So yeah, two power swords all day long. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're going to say goodbye for now, but we will be back soon with episode two of Masters of the Universe Revolution, uh, and that would be Ascension. Wait, All right. that's wrong. That, no. <laughs> Until next time, guys, go hit the double thumbs up on Netflix and keep watching it. Later. Oh, come on.